Welcome to another inspiring message from Pastor John Cameron, lead pastor of Arise Church in New Zealand. We know this message will empower and inspire you. I'm going to give you right now the first five verses of Joshua chapter one without a Bible. Are you ready? After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. If I say it fast, Barclay can't word check it. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river the Euphrates or the Hittite country to the great or Mediterranean Sea on the west. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I got it. Not bad. Verse six from the New Living Translation is what I wanna preach to you from this morning. Just one phrase. Where God spoke to Joshua at the age of approximately 80, declaring that He was gonna lead him, take Joshua into the promised land. This is God's Word to Joshua and it's our message for today. Be strong and courageous for you are the one. Be strong and courageous for you are the one. For you are the one. God looked down from on high and He spoke into this slave and sojourner's heart and He said to him, you are the one. My son Will is uh, 10 years old and I love him so much. He plays football, soccer. And he loves it. And he's only ever wanted to play defender. His name, Will, means defender. And he's only ever wanted to play defender, which means that throughout his journey, he's gotten to know the game of soccer quite well. I'll tell you why. Because kids think about taking the ball forward. And if you actually have a mindset that thinks about that it might go backward, you end up with a lot of game time. So Will, Will plays defender and he loves it. He's very tall for his age, which is a help when you're a defender in football. But he's also had a lot of developmental challenges. His his, um, bones are long, but not necessarily all of his tendons. So he gets in a lot of pain. And, uh, you know, he he has to have like special inserts in in his feet. And he can only wear certain types of shoes. He does 20 minutes of exercises every day to try and get these tendons and muscles to stretch out. And he's often in quite a bit of pain. Nearly always, when he finishes a game of football, he'll kind of hobble off the field a little bit. He played a tournament last year and to get him through the tournament, I had to be his own personal physio. He didn't have any coaching staff or any personal misuse. And so after every game, I'd get these freezing bottles of water and run them over the sole of his foot and then massage his foot, put the shoes back on him and send him back out there, my little champion. Well, this year, we've started again for a new season and kind of half the team kind of got promoted and a few people uh, made their way into other teams. And so it's a brand new team. And in the second week of this year's football season, Will was probably in the most amount of pain he's ever been in. It had gone up to his knee and into his hip. And so I took him back to the podiatrist on a Friday afternoon and she gave him a whole lot more stretches and he starts his own kind of physio sessions this week. And, and, and for the game, I said, can he play tomorrow? And she said, well, I'll strap his foot and we'll see. So she strapped it up and she said, he might be able to play, he might not be. So I text the coach. I said, he might play, he might not play. Maybe you can 
should just roster them on for the second half. So we get to the game and we're playing another team and we looked so amazing on attack. But every time they were coming towards us, our defence was just falling apart. So we're 10 minutes in to a 50-minute game. And after seven or eight minutes, they scored their first goal. After about eight or nine minutes, they scored their second goal. And I'm on the sideline, I'm looking at my watch. We've got 40 minutes of game left to go and we're 2-0 down. The coach looks at Will. You gotta know, by the way, that a 10-year-old boy thinks their coach are like second only to God. You know what I mean? I mean, I am like nobody. I don't know anything. This coach knows everything. And Will is looking at his coach and his coach says, Will, he says, are you up to playing? I need you on the field. Would you be able to anchor this defence for me? And I watch this 10-year-old boy like, you need me? You, you need me? You know, something has left up on the inside of him. He walked out into that pitch. He's like telling everybody what to do. He's like a mini me, you know. He gets out there, thinks every problem is somebody else's problem, you know. Gets out there, he played the next 40 minutes of that game. At the end of the game, he's like hobbling off. He said, Dad, I've just got to sit down. I'm done for the day. And that was it. He didn't want to do anything for the rest of the day. But I saw this look in his eye. This look, this, 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 this mixture of discomfort, but of a feeling of accomplishment. He was thinking about himself, I am the one. They turned a 2-0 loss into a 5-3 win in the next 40 minutes of that game. As this little boy just rose on the inside, I am the one. One of my favourite sporting moments probably in all my life happened in the Super 15 final last year. Our captain, Dane Coles, got to that game with two fractured ribs, I believe, certainly in a lot of pain. I fractured two ribs last, last year. I didn't want anybody to hug me, let alone consider playing a contact sport, you know? It's a very, very painful thing. And here he is, he starts the game, our brave captain plays the whole first half. We get into the second half and in the 53rd minute of the game, he goes into a contact, goes down and he stays down. Eventually they realise they've got to take him off and he's removed from the field. They bring on a substitute and when the substitute takes the park, the commentary goes crazy because we have nobody else on the bench that can play front row. So they're thinking about this moment and what's gonna happen. And 10 minutes after that, 63 minutes into the game, the worst possible scenario happens. The substitute has a head knock. They have to take him out the back for a concussion test. And suddenly everybody is thinking, what is gonna happen next? The camera flips to Dane Coles. He's on the sideline, got a big jacket over his shoulders. He's uncomfortable, stoic, but clearly in pain. You know what I'm talking about? He's a man's man. And he's, he's like, you know, but he's, you know, yeah, as only a guy can do. And then, you know, realising that this guy is down and that he's not getting up, I watched as Dane Coles jumps out of his seat, shrugs his jacket off like a fighter in a boxing match walks towards the sideline. Four coaching staff materialise from out of shot and they're like, you know, covering him all around. And he's like, put me on, put me on. I can go on. I don't know what he was saying, but it just I'm crying my eyes out. I'm crying my eyes out as I'm watching a man who was on that field. I was just so inspired by his bravery, by his selfless passion for the good of his team and the internal comprehension of a man in a moment saying, I am the one. Yeah. 
Here in our amazing passage of Scripture, we've got God preparing to take Israel across the Jordan River into the land that He has for them. God's been working to get ready for this moment. Friends, for 700 years, God's been preparing for this hour. This is a key moment, not only for Israel, but for the history of the world. From this moment came Jesus. From this moment came the Gospel. And here, at this key moment in time, God spoke to Joshua. And in his opening address, he said, Joshua, the first thing you need to know is that Moses is dead. If you're gonna step forward, you need to know that your past is gone, that yesterday's failures will not limit tomorrow's opportunities, that you're not a, a result of what you've been through. You're a result of God's promise in you. He said, Moses is dead. And I wanna say it every week until you believe it, that your sin is forgiven, that your blame has been removed, that you might've made a mistake yesterday, but you've got a promise still ahead of you. And if you believe it, give me a little amen this morning. Moses is dead, now then, live in the now, live in the then, live in your present for your future. Then he said, get ready to cross the Jordan River. Get ready to leave behind where you've been and the restriction and familiarity of it to step into something new. Then he said to Joshua, I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Somebody needs to remember that we still serve the God who said, Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. God's with you. If you believe that, give me a little clap, a little amen. Something, just make some noise that encourages me. He said, he said to Joshua, I'll give you every place where you set your foot. But then wanting to land this, wanting to make this really, really pertinent, wanting to really get Joshua to understand. He said, Joshua, you just gotta know, I'm not sending another. I'm not parachuting in my best. There is no one else that's gonna step into the situation and make it happen. Moses is gone. And now Joshua, you need to know that you are the one. You will lead these people. You will take them into the promised land. You will divide this country and make it their inheritance. Joshua, you are the one. Friends, I believe that every person in this room needs to know that God's got amazing promises still ahead of you. God's got good things that He's about to work in your life. Amazing things are around the corner. God has not sentenced you to, to a life that is futile or perpetuating the same cycles of dysfunction or lack or whatever you've been in until this moment. God's got something greater for you and it won't do us any good if we're just sitting around and waiting. God needs you and I to know that we are not a bystander in the journey of our lives. We are the central character. God's the first character, but you're the second. He looks at you and He looks at me and He says these words, you are the one. Could you whack five people and tell them, you are the one, you are the one, you are the one. You are the one. See, Israel had a problem, my friends, and I have this thought that many of us have the same problem as well. Do you know what Israel's problem was? For 400 years, they had been slaves. You get conditioned by your environment if you are not careful. That's why God gave you the Bible, so that you could become conditioned by the truth of God's Word and not by the circumstances that you have lived in. 
400 years they've been in slavery and during those 400 years they never got to increase, never got to be self-determining, never got to advance or to move forward. They were dictated to and determined by others, never allowed to be in charge of their own lives. And because of that, somebody else was always to blame for every problem that they faced. If there was a lack, it was the Egyptians' fault. If it was a problem, it was the Egyptians' fault. If they didn't have enough, then it was somebody else. If things were not good, then they were not the people to blame. For 40 years, they've been wandering around now in the wilderness. And during those 40 years, God has really done everything. God has provided manna. God has provided water for them. God has supernaturally been on their side. God and the steady hand of Moses have led them for the last 40 years, conditioning perhaps their entire lives that events happen to them, that the world cannot be changed, that things stay the way that they are, they are and that nothing can be done about it. And along comes God and He says to Israel, things can change. Times do change. God is alive and moving. But God said to Joshua, yeah, give God praise if you believe that things can change. Neighbourhoods can change and marriages can change. Health can change and financial circumstances can change. Families can change. If you believe it, give me a little amen this morning. But God spoke to them and not only said these words, He said, for things to change, you need to know that you are the one. God wanted Joshua to rise. He said, Joshua, you are a slave no more. You are dependent no more. It is your moment to step up to the plate. God said to Joshua, you are the one. And I believe that there are many people in this auditorium to know uh, this, this morning who need to know that God has got great things ahead of you too that doors are about to open, wonderful things are around the corner. There are miracles that God can and He will perform. And if you believe it, shout yes. But if there is one thing God needs you and I to know, if we're gonna walk into days of favour and opportunity, it is that you are the one. You will lead your family. You will impact this nation. You will solve this problem. You will govern yourself out of debt. You will break the power of addiction. You will lead this life group. You will win this school to Jesus. You will defy these obstacles. You will dream a greater dream. You will set your sights higher. God wants you and I to know that if you see a problem, it's because you're powerful enough to solve it that if you dream a dream, that you are the one who can outwork it. If you receive a promise from God, you are the one who's gonna bring it to pass. Potentially, the most important thing that you can know about yourself and the world that is around you is to know that you are the one. The world is not bigger than you. Waters might be in flood. Jericho might have big walls around it. Obstacles might seem great. We can blame the government. We can blame the economy. We can blame the city. We can blame the car. We can blame the kids. But at the end of the day, God doesn't want you waiting on someone else to help you, waiting on someone else to deliver you or someone else to come to your aid. 
God wants you and I to rise and to realise that you were put here by God, not to be dictated to by life, but to alter the course of history. You're greater than every problem. You've got Jesus on the inside of you. If you believe that greater is He that lives in you than he that is in the world, I want you to give God a bit of praise right now. Come on. God comes to our lives and this is what He says, my friends. You are the one. God came to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 and He said to him, if you would leave your people in your father's house and go to the land to which I will show you, then I will make you into a great nation. Abraham, you're not just the son of a burnt out failure. You are the one. God came to Gideon when Gideon was hiding in a wine press. A little scaredy cat because of the army of Midian. Midian was the most powerful nation on the earth at that time. And every time Israel would plant some crops and get ready to harvest them, every time Israel looked like they were having a good day, every time Israel was moving forward in life, every time the bank account was getting more flush with funds, every time the marriage looked like it was improving, every time things seemed to be getting better, along would come the army of Midian and they would take the harvest, they would steal the progress. Anybody ever felt like it feels like Midian is just having a go at you. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Well, the Bible tells us that Gideon is afraid and in fear of this powerful army and he is trying to thresh wheat in a wine press, a useless place to do a job that requires a breeze and a little hole in the ground. God approaches this timid little man and he says to him these amazing words, the Lord is with you and you are a mighty warrior. Gideon's response was to ask God, if God is with us, then where are all His wonders? God is coming to, is, to Gideon and He's saying, Gideon, you are the one. And God, Gideon is saying to God, well, God, if, if, there are, if I'm the one, then where are all the wonders? The problem, my friend, is that Gideon was waiting for God, not realising that God was waiting for Gideon. So many people in this room are waiting for God and God wants you to know He's waiting for you. You are the one. It's like God ignored the premise of Gideon's question. Where are all his wonders? God just said to him, Gideon, go in the strength that you have and save Israel from the hand of the Midianite army. I am with you. Comes out again. I want you to know, friends, that God isn't playing games when He told you to rise up. God wasn't lying when He said, I would be with you. God is wanting somebody to step out of their challenge, out of their wine press and believe that the same God that delivered Gideon can deliver you as well. Deborah, Deborah was a prophet in Israel. And in Judges chapter four, the Bible tells us that she walks up to a man by the name of Barak and she said to Barak, you are the one. You will lead Israel's armies into battle. And Barak said, I will not do that. I will not be the one, realising that a man should have done it. And in that time in history, that it was not appropriate for a woman to do it. Deborah is confronted with a problem. I am not the one, but he will not be the one. And the Bible tells us that Deborah decided, you know, in absence of a no, God gives me a yes. Come on, somebody. 
that if God isn't going to hold me back, then I'm going to keep pressing forward. So Deborah stepped up to the plate and said, I will be the leader, led the troops of Israel into battle, won a great victory for her nation. And somebody came to the service saying that I'm not the one and the one who should be the one isn't doing anything. And so therefore nothing can move forward. Well, I want you to know that God doesn't need the right one. He's just looking for the willing one. And if you will be the willing one, then you are the one. Whack somebody next to you and tell them, I am the one. I am the one. Now grab somebody next to you on the other side and say, and you are the one. You are the one. You are the one. God will use anyone who is willing to be the one. If you believe it, shout a little amen in this room this morning. Reinhard Bonnke would have to be the greatest evangelist on the face of this earth who is alive today. He has literally done a meeting with 8 million people in attendance and 1 million people said yes to Jesus in that service. And to be one of those, you had to write out a card that literally records your name and your details. Eight, one million people filled out a card and he said about himself, I was the fourth man that God asked to do the job. But I was the first one to respond and say, I am the one. When Saul was anointed king over Israel, the Bible tells us that Samuel came to him, poured oil all over his head and literally made a public declaration. You are the one. He was of no one from nowhere, but God said, you'll be the first king over Israel. I don't know how it happened. I don't know what happened. Maybe the pain of his past, maybe the fear of this unprecedented responsibility. But the devil found a point of vulnerability in Saul's mind sowed a seed of doubt, a seed of deception. And the Bible tells us that on the day of Saul's coronation, that he was not standing to be anointed king, he was hiding amongst the baggage. Let us never think for a moment that it is noble to think less of yourself than God thinks of you. The Bible tells us that his entire kingship, Saul was played with depression, that he struggled with self-doubt, that much harm came to his life, not because he was arrogant, but because he was unwilling to accept the thing that God said, said about him. God said, you are the one. Saul disagreed with the truth and agreed with a lie and brought much havoc into his personal world and his journey. And how many people do we know who have allowed themselves to distrust God and to trust the devil? I believe it is time for somebody in this room to say every word the devil ever said was a lie. I am the one God has chosen. God is with me in my life. I will not live in fear. I will not live in doubt. I will not live in discouragement. God has called me. Greater is He that is in me than he that is in the world. I am the head and not the tail above only and not beneath. I am more than a conqueror because of Him who loved me. And I can do all things through Jesus who gives me strength. If you believe it, give God some praise in this building this morning. Somebody just shout, I am the one. The next one is David. The Bible tells us about David that he was the youngest of eight brothers, the runt of the family litter, born to a different mother to his other brothers. The other brothers were tall, the Bible tells us, that they were, they were, they were olive-skinned. They were, they were everything I've always wanted to be and never will be. Stop laughing, it's rude. The Bible tells us that David was ruddy. I always like to claim him as the first ginger in the Bible. 
And the Bible tells us about David that he went out to see his brothers when they were confronted by the army of the Philistines that a great giant by the name of Goliath was taunting the armies of Israel. Recently, David had been anointed king over Israel in a private ceremony that no one was yet to know. Arriving at the battle scene, he sees everybody else intimidated and afraid, but David instead wanted to fight. He said, what will be done for the man who takes down this uncircumcised Philistine? I love it. He's, making, he's a trash talker, I love it. <laughs> the Bible tells us that David's words are eventually reported to the king that a 17-year-old, 16-year-old boy is willing to be the single warrior who will confront a giant who is taunting the greatest warriors Israel knows. David is brought to the king. I mean, that's a story in and of itself. As he stands before the king, the king looks at this 17-year-old boy and this is what he said, you are not the one. Read your Bible, 1 Samuel 17. You are not the one. When those over you say you are not the one, when the circumstances would determine that you are not the one, when you've had advice that you are not the one, but the heart in you beats that God's promise is real, how about we stop allowing the environment that we've been in to be the decider of our future? David said, God delivered the bear into my hand and the lion into my hands. And he said, this uncircumcised Philistine is exactly the same as them. He defies someone who's got God on his side. He said, I am the one. How many great obstacles could we overcome if we just knew that God who delivered you one day can deliver you this day? That the God who was faithful to you and brought you out of darkness into light can bring you through sickness to health, out of conflict to peace, out of poverty to prosperity. That the God that we worship is well able, but we need to know that we are the one. If you believe it, shout, I am the one. Then God turned up in the life of, of Jeremiah and said to Jeremiah the prophet, before you were born, Jeremiah, I knew you. Before you even popped out of your mother's womb, I had appointed you as a prophet to the nations. And Jeremiah said to God, I am only a child. Somebody in this room has been saying, I'm only too young. I am only too old. I am too uneducated. I am too short or I am too tall. I am too poor or I am too rich. I'm too new to the faith or I'm too long in the tooth. But God looked at Jeremiah and He said, do not say I am only a child. And I believe God says to you and me that you're not too tall, you're not too short, you're not too fat, you're not too thin, you're not too educated and you're not too illiterate, that you're not too poor and you're not too rich, you're not too old, you're not too young. I believe that if God is for you and that you are the one, it's about time we started agreeing with God and disagreeing with every societal stereotype, every limiting word that's ever been spoken over you, every ceiling you've ever put over your own life. Somebody needs to believe more about God than your environment's ever told you. Somebody shout, I am the one. I'm making myself too excited today. God's saying to Joshua, there are rivers to cross, there are walls to come down, there is land to defy and conquer. I am going to be with you, but I won't do it for you. You are the one. You are the one. My friend, I want you to know that God is going to be with you, but He won't do it for you. 
You are the one. I believe there are many people, we, we are literally at this moment in time starting so many different life groups, life groups that are gonna help you in the next 10 weeks to break the power of an addiction. Life groups that in the next 10 weeks are gonna determine the way that you view and work with your money, the way that you think about your marriage, the way that you think about the most important things in your life, the parenting of your children, the environment in which you live, the things in your world that you're wanting to move forward and see change in. Not only that, but tonight at five o'clock right here at the Arise Center, we're gonna invite people to go on what we call Pathway. And in the next four weeks, you might have been a spiritual consumer your whole life, but you can move in the next four weeks for a, from a spiritual consumer to a spiritual contributor. We'll help you in the next four weeks to know God, know life, discover purpose, and for you to join us in making a difference for God. Somebody's been looking at the, their own life and saying, I wish someone would help me with my addiction. I wish somebody would help me with my marriage. I need someone to notice that I'm feeling down. I need somebody to help me with this challenge in my finances. I wish somebody would step up and bring revival to New Zealand. Uh, but God wants you to know that you are the one. You are the one to change your health. You are the one who can improve your marriage. You are the one that can see your children flourish. You are the spiritual contributor that can bring revival to the Hunt Valley and to New Zealand. Zealand. I'm not here to guilt you. I'm not here to shame you. I'm here to tell you that you're more powerful than you've ever realised. That you might have been in a rut for years or decades, but you're about to break out of it. Somebody needs to shout, I am the one. There are three things you need to know about accepting that you are the one today. Three things that when you realise that you are the one, are going to change about your life. And the first one is that acceptance precedes empowerment. It is only when you and I accept that we are the one that God can then empower us to be the one. So many people are waiting for a tingle, waiting for a buzz, waiting for a zap. They're waiting to look in the mirror and feel like they're seeing a fit person before they ever go to a gym spiritually. That's what I'm saying. And God's saying to no, 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 no. If you would accept that you are the one, then my friend, you will be empowered to be the one. Gideon tore down the, got out of the wine press. He tore down the idol in his family town. And the Bible says that after already deciding to not hide in the shadows any longer, after already having his first scrap for God, that then the Spirit of the Lord fell upon him in power. And my friend, we are waiting for God to empower us, but God is waiting for us to take a step. God cannot anoint our doubts. He cannot inhabit our fears. God can only anoint our decisions and anoint our actions. If we step with God, then God steps with us. But acceptance precedes empowerment. Somebody around here is deciding this morning to take that step for God. If that's you, shout me. Oh, three people, let's just keep going. <laughs> That's just bad preaching. Number two, acceptance elevates expectations. When you accept what God's called you to be, my friend, it will lift your expectations in life. When David saw Goliath, it's amazing how differently everybody else saw Goliath to the way that David did. Everybody else saw Goliath and they thought, this is the end. This is the end. And they ran in fear. David, David had been anointed king over Israel and he actually, this little kid, was willing to believe a radical truth. 
that a guy probably about this build could take down an eight-foot monster. Big shoulders, sword so big that they wrote details about it in the Bible. And David looked at Goliath and didn't say, what will happen to the man who fights him? He said, what will be done for the man who kills him? Where everybody else saw a problem, David saw an opportunity. When you and I accept who God has called us to be, we're gonna find that there are great opportunities staring us in the face. And I believe God wants to free us from our fears and empower us to aim high. And I believe God's with you. And if you believe it now, how about a little amen? amen. Number three, acceptance empowers actions. If you take anything from this message, could you take this? God is willing to do what He can do, but He will not reach beyond what we must do. Joshua gathered the nation. Joshua declared they were going over. Joshua ordered the priests to march into flooded waters and God caused the waters to recede. It was Joshua's obedience that empowered God to move. Many years ago, I think it might have been 2007, I sat in a cafe, literally about a few hundred meters behind me, in the most fear I've ever been in my entire life. Um, I was so afraid that my entire, have you ever been so afraid that your body begins to shiver? I mean, I was just all around here. Uh, apparently you can do these vibratrain workouts and you lose weight. I just, I just gained it, you know. But I was so afraid that my body was literally shaking. The reason why was because Jillian and I had um, bought a home, little deposit, big, big mortgage, and then discovered that the home we'd bought was one of those leaky homes. And the problem was so big. And I was just, I was so afraid, honestly. I got, I want you to know that I, I'm more thankful for that challenge than any other challenge I've ever had in my life. It literally changed my life. But sitting in this cafe, I was talking with a lady who is a leader, uh, like she knew a lot about this crisis. She would have been in her 50s or in her 60s. And a friend of mine had got me an hour with her. And I sat there in this cafe and she's telling me about what it means this 280-page report about that high, what it meant and what was happening. That was just, it was big. It was bigger than I could ever th have thought of. The waters were in flood. The walls of Jericho appeared impenetrable. I said, I, I just didn't even know what to say. And we reached a point in the conversation where she said, John, there's something that I need to tell you and you must listen. And I said, what's that? And she said, you just, you gotta know that nobody's gonna help you. Nobody's gonna step in and save you. You are the one 
who's going to decide what happens next. It was like someone took a defibrillator and jump-started my heart. It was like it was the first time I'd seen the light in that dark, dark night as I realised that God was with me and that I was the one and that He would never leave me. Well, I was delivered by God out of that amazing set of circumstances. Or not delivered. God did a great series of steps. We ended up selling that house after fully repairing it. We treated all the timber, reclad the entire house. Made a profit on it when we sold it because the Wellington real estate market went absolutely berserk. Then we bought again the next year in the winter of 2008 in the depths of the, the global financial crisis and made a lot of money just by buying at that moment. But I will never forget realising that it wasn't somebody else. You can change your life. And there comes a moment where you've got to know that God, God loves you. And He is so willing to cooperate in your journey. But something's got to kick right here. I pray it's right now where you just say, I am the one. I am the one. Thanks for listening to this message from Pastor John Cameron. If you would like to find out more about Arise Church, check out arisechurch.com or find us on YouTube.